We're going to talk NFL and ESPN possibly getting a business together. Stephen A., Whitlock, Pat McAfee. We have someone great. Discuss it all. NBC and Amazon commentator Michael Smith is our guest host. And I'm back. Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. This is the Marshan and Oran sports media podcast. Oran is off covering hockey. Joining us now is Michael Smith. Michael, you've done so much in career, Boston Globe, ESPN, now Amazon on Thursday nights, do NBC, have your talk show every day with Michael Holly on Peacock, and then you started Inflection Point Entertainment. First off, appreciate you being a guest host. Last you go back in the archives, we had Joe Buck two weeks ago as a guest host, then Christopher Mad Dog Russo as the guest host, and now, Michael, appreciate you uh, you joining us. Man, those are tough acts to follow. Uh, thank you for the kind introduction, the thorough introduction. It's, it's an invitation, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'll try to, I'll try to keep up the momentum that you got going. All right, sounds good. All right, where you always go, who's up and who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Michael, I'll start it off. My who's up is Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge. Ah, I love it. Yeah, they called the game on one of your you got like 15 jobs, but on one of your <laughs> at one of your jobs, and you were all over the pregame show the other day. Blackledge and Eagle uh had the call uh on Saturday, and they were really good. There's a lot of talk heading into this NBC game. Al Michaels not doing the game, NBC wanted to reward Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge for the work they did on the Big Ten Network. And here's the thing it is for me, for that crew, is that they hadn't done the NFL all year, and they sounded good. And I think when you come in as a new crew, that's a really hard spot. Uh, and what was interesting to me is Noah Eagle does sound like his father, Ian, and then Blackledge sounds like Dan Fouts. So it kind of had that old the bird and the beard feel that CBS used to have uh, with their longtime number two team. So my who's up, Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge from NBC. Can I echo that just for a moment? And, and I don't know those guys very well personally, other than, you know, I saw them at the game uh, in Houston, rode the Sprinter van back to the hotel after the game, said hello. Um, but it's funny. So I'm in the green room during the game and Matthew Berry came in at one point and asked me how they were doing. And I said, they're really, really solid. And I don't mean solid, like fine, like just okay. I mean, like, I thought their timing, I thought the storytelling, the context, I felt like I learned a lot. I felt like I was listening to two guys who had really done a lot of homework and, and, it, and were well prepared uh, to tell the story of a young Houston Texans organization or a, a Cleveland Browns organization that had dealt with quite a bit of uh, adversity this season. So I echo that sentiment. They were really, really good uh, together on a big stage. So kudos to them. Can I get two? Can I already break sure. a rule? Yeah, no, no. You know what? That's actually funny, Michael, two. that you say okay. that. Because last week we had Chris Russo and we started the show off and he just started doing like who's up after who's up. Not really doing the uh, like how the format usually is. So give me a. Yeah, what do you got for your who's up? My first who's up uh, is a shout out to... My colleagues at Peacock, NBC Sports, NBC Universal, um, 23 million people watched, according to Nielsen, that's not my number, <laughs> 23 million people watched the Peacock uh, telecast of Chiefs Dolphins on Saturday night. It is reportedly the largest streaming audience in American history. 
I'm proud to be associated with Peacock. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Andrew, I do a show on Peacock with my main man, Michael Holly. It's called uh, Brother from Another. And so, yeah, I'm going to start by being a good company guy and uh, and patting my colleagues on the back for a successful uh, playoff game. Um, obviously, working with Amazon the last two years, that's helped to you know, ease the fears of some people about the NFL going into streaming. And here you got 23 million people, despite it felt like 25 million people complaining about having to subscribe to Peacock in order to get this game. It just goes to show where the NFL goes, the consumer will follow no matter what. Um, so props to uh, the folks at uh, at NBC for putting on uh, a great telecast uh, from Kansas City, frigid Kansas City. My second one, though, and this guy is probably feeling down right now, Andrew, but the future's bright. He's going to be a Hall of Famer in five years. His season ended prematurely. Didn't speak to reporters, but reportedly, Jason Kelsey told his teammates in the locker room after the game last night against the Bucks that he is retiring. Uh, he certainly will not be unemployed. He may not be a professional football player, but having seen him up close, because uh, he made appearances, I want to say the last two seasons. No, this year, during the bye week, he was on Thursday Night Football with us. Last year, we just had him on post-game. No secret to you, guy's got a bright future in broadcasting. We all know what he's doing with his brother in the New Heights podcast. People will probably be lined up to make space for Jason Kelsey the moment he declares that he's ready to go into broadcasting. So if, he's, if he wants a job next year, he's going to have it. I would say his broadcasting stock is up. Yeah, that's a very good who's up. All right, my who's down is Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Last week, he's the guest host. This week, Chris, you're who's down, and I'm doing this in honor of you because this is what you would do. Chris, on his Sirius XM show, got faked out by a phony Adam Schefter account. He thought that uh, Andy Reid was going to retire before the playoff game last week. Uh, This is what it sounded like. Let me interrupt you here for a second. Adam yeah. Schefter just reported this. Now, I don't know if this is, we got to get double check it, that Andy Reid has announced his retirement from the NFL and Matt Nagy will be the interim coach of the Chiefs during the postseason. Wow. Somebody told me today that Reid could retire. I didn't think, think anything of it. And maybe this is true. Is Andy Reid going to quit? the day before they play a playoff game and Matt Nagy is the head coach boy what a week in the NFL follow this with Tori next we'll see you on Monday at 3 o'clock could we be gone and not coach tomorrow so Mad Dog I'm doing it in honor of you I said last week you might be the greatest sports talk host of all time but you're you got that way by just going after everybody and everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're friends with them, you're not friends with them. So Christopher Mad Dog Russo, thank you for being the guest host last week. This week, though, you're my who's down. Get down. Well played. All right. All right. Thank, thank you, Michael. What, who do you got? Who's your who's down? So it's not a person. It's tradition. Um, it's an institution. It's an industry. Uh, one of the reasons I was so excited when you reached out to me, Andrew, to join this is because I really wanted to be in conversation with you because I was blown away. Was it Thursday or Friday when you reported that the NFL and the Friday night? Yeah. Where the NFL was in advanced talks with my former employer ESPN to buy a stake in ESPN, uh, which would then have, you know, ESPN would then house NFL network, red zone, you know, NFL plus so on and so forth. And who's down lines 
boundaries, independence, uh, competition. Uh, the lines have been blurred, uh, if not crossed or destroyed uh, between, you know, who's being covered and, and who's doing the covering. I mean, from a business sense and this, and this, this ever-changing media landscape, I, I guess I understand it. You know, I, I, you know, as you reported, the NFL had been looking to to sell NFL Network in its last round of uh of, of broadcast rights negotiations, and I get everybody wants to be in bed with the NFL, and to a certain extent, I mean, who are we kidding? We're all in bed with the NFL. I, you know, I work with I, I do Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. We already established that. I work at NBC, and NBC is a broadcast rights partner of the NFL. So whether we work directly for the NFL or not, we're all connected to the NFL in some way but it's one thing to be in bed with the league it's another thing to have the league taking up the whole bed and you hanging off like my wife my wife does not acknowledge that she moves a lot in her sleep and so every man you know we've seen the, the, the meme his side and her side his side is this little sliver and her side is the rest of the bed so it's like with the nfl the nfl just stretched out taking up the whole bed and what's happening to independent journalism that is not compromised by you know, uh, not even a partnership, but like, listen, man, I maybe I never pissed off the right people when I was at ESPN, Andrew. Or maybe I never reported the right story. I'm sure there are others, the, the Seth Wickershams and the, the Van Nattas of the world who can, you know, attest to some background conversations that maybe I'm just not privy to, right? Because as you know, I started off as an NFL insider for a lot of years, a national NFL insider. But I never felt and I still don't feel this way at NBC. Again, Mike Florio might say different. I'm sure there are phone calls that he gets or that Sam Flood gets on his behalf. I never felt compromised. I never felt like the NFL was, you know, dictating what I could say, whether it was as a commentator or as a reporter. I never felt like I couldn't criticize the NFL or cover the NFL objectively. I just don't know the more the NFL, you know, lays claim to ownership in you know media entities and networks and and so on and so forth i just don't know how people are able to truly maintain the level of objectivity and independence it just feels like it's going in the wrong direction for what i came up learning and you came up learning as journalism so there's business and there's journalism and they're 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 in conflict right now am i am i seeing this wrong is there is it something i'm missing let's make this the first topic so okay. what i reported last friday was ESPN, Disney are in advanced talks with the NFL for an equity stake the league would take in ESPN. You know, the amount it was unknown, but, you know, it's a small equity stake, but probably, you know, if you look at the value, it's probably billions. Uh, and then uh, ESPN will take over all of NFL media, which consists of NFL Network, NFL.com, NFL Films, Red Zone, um, NFL Plus, a couple other things as well. So though that would be that would become part of the Disney ESPN family. The talks advance where owners and the player association um, are getting informed about it. There is a question about how the equity stake works in the collective bargaining agreement because the players and owners share the money. How the players get their their share because they're never gonna um, cash out at the end if the NFL sells or however um, they monetize that you know fully. Um, so they have to figure that out, I believe. Um, but to get to your question. I think first off, appreciate your honesty, because if you work for Amazon, you work for NBC, you work for Fox, CBS, um, ESPN already. And you, they, We're they all have, taking money from it. NFL. Exactly. They're, <laughs> they're in business. Yeah. Like, yeah, 
that said, I mean, and I would say ESPN's probably been the leader on this. Um, and, you know, Florio also goes pretty hard at the league as well. But I think ESPN, especially when they're doing all the concussion things, did go mm -hmm. after the NFL. Now, they did. The NFL does not like that. You know, so the, the relationship was not good. It's gotten better, um, you know, post Skipper and into Pitaro. I, you know, the relationship in terms of the business relationship has gotten better. Um, and they do have some stories. Which was priority one. It was priority that one. That was priority exactly. one was to smooth smooth that relationship out. Yep. So so there's two things here. Number one, let's say business wise. Um, ESPN is going to go direct to consumer which means that they're going to offer their products. So you like Peacock or like ESPN plus now the whole thing, you get all of ESPN still be on cable. Um, they want the strongest hand possible. And I would say having, now they already have the NFL, but having a relationship with the NFL might give you the strongest hand possible. So business wise, again, not knowing their turn on investment, how we're valuing everything business wise. I think it makes a lot of sense for ESPN, the NFL to be in business Makes dollars and cents, 100%. Obviously, unfortunately, you would think there might be job loss because there's going to be um, a lot of similar jobs. Now, we're still early on. What I've heard, again, this is still, I think, premature. You know, NFL Network might uh, be kind of like how they operate SEC Network, where it has its own people. It runs. It's always SEC. This would be always NFL. Yes, ESPN, the mothership, talks SEC. Yes, it will talk NFL a lot. Um but are there less people? I'd probably say at least over time there are because there's not going to have two people doing the same job. You you brought the journalism aspect of it. Do you think that league partners are already compromised somewhat, you know, or or not? Or how do you look at that? You said you had no nobody ever said anything to you about anything you said or reported. And maybe I just said the wrong. I didn't say the right stuff. You know what I mean? I'm a, I, I know that there are I know that the there are conversations uh, you know, from higher ups at the league office and higher ups at these networks when there's a story or or something, you know, is said or or covered or produced that they don't like. Um, and they feel entitled to do that because they're partners. I think there's a difference between partners and ownership, regardless of how, you know, small or or, or sizable or not sizable the, the, the equity stake is. I just put myself back in the position of the guy who used to cover the league for ESPN on a national level. At one point, long before they were reporters for every single team, it was me, Chris Mortensen, John Clayton, and Lynn Pascarelli. Those were the four national insiders at ESPN. And this was this was early 2000s, early to mid 2000s. This is from a foot soldier standpoint. Like, this is chess and ain't checkers. At that point, I'm a pawn. <laughs> okay, let's call it what it is. Like, it's above my pay grade. And so for me, you know, I'm I think back to that guy who was competing with the Adam Schefters of the world, who looked at the NFL network, frankly, with the side eye being like, well, of course, you're breaking that stuff because you work for the in-house network. Right. Like, And, you know, I, I, we, we had the higher ground from a from an ethical standpoint when it came to our coverage as NFL reporters. Right. I look at it from the standpoint of somebody who's old enough to remember ESPN poaching Adam Schefter from NFL Network uh, under the guise of weakening the competition. You know, you're also talking to somebody who came up, you know, at the Boston Globe competing with the Boston Herald. So the way I'm wired and the way I think, I, and I love how you broke that down, Andrew, because again, there's a reason why this is above my pay grade. Like there's a lot of dollars at, say, at stake here. This is, this is, this is where the, the, the business is going. But 
getting more dollars does come at to me the cost of true journalistic independence. I just don't and, and, and listen, and maybe it maybe they're fine with it. Maybe they'll in the fine print of this deal, if and when it goes through, there'll be an understanding that hey, you cannot dictate how we cover the NFL. But I think it'll it'll be hard for the consumer, the very consumer that they're that they're looking to go straight to, to not look at NFL coverage on ESPN and wonder how much of it is more PR than it is journalism. Yeah, and that if actually, they don't do that already. Yeah, they, if they don't do that already. I mean, because because again, like we're all to a certain extent in bed with the NFL. Some of us sleep head to foot. You know, some of us are, are equal. Like, but it's like we're all trying to be connected to the can't miss golden goose. I'm, I'm, where's Mark Cuban right now? You know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. When? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that didn't age well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cuban said years ago that uh, about the NFL that they were basically greedy, and you know, their time would come, and it hasn't come, and it's, it seems like it's getting bigger and bigger. I mean, Peacock just spent 110 million dollars for one playoff game to get that right you know the streaming numbers uh that we spoke about and you know the one thing about those streaming numbers just for the record is that if it was on broadcast tv those would have been much higher so right they're looking to sell one or two playoff games a year the streamers become um possibility i think amazon makes a lot of sense for those games because people are already used to watching them i think peacock the reason it was such a big deal is because they haven't been doing the games all year if it was on amazon Maybe there would have been an uproar, but I don't really think so because I think correct people, people have already found it. Yeah, exactly. It's They've already, already part. It out. But but am I but am I wrong or is it just, is that just the cost of doing business and I just got to grow up <laughs> and let and let go of the good old days? <laughs> well, I think that the argument would be that they're doing business that the Disney is trying to figure out how to survive in a streaming world, um, yeah. how to make ESPN's uh hand even better i mean i think there is a misnomer about espn's hand i think espn's in a much better position than most places is it as good as it was 15 years ago when they you know were at the peak of how many subscribers they had and you know they were making billions and billions each month instead of now close to a billion in terms of cable fees cry me a river i think anybody would take that business but they're trying to get the strongest hand and how do you do that well you have the best content which they just went Jimmy Bataro and Burke Magnus just went on a 40 plus billion dollar buying spree over the last five years uh, or three or four years. And, you know, they've boxed out a lot of a lot of places. They're going to get college football in terms of the full playoff or extended period of time. Uh, so um, it makes it harder for streamers to really get a full, you know, the NBA is coming up. That's going to be interesting to see what happens. Oh, yeah. But they have a good hand. This, to me, does make it stronger. So to answer your question, yeah, I think business trumps journalism, especially mm -hmm. for these companies. They just they don't see the return on yeah. investment. And at the end of the day, all this stuff is about Disney stock price and making money for shareholders. They ain't worried about little old Michael Smith's feelings. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. That brings us to the topic, too. Speaking of feelings. All right. A year old place. A lot going on at ESPN. Um, Pat McAfee was brought in uh, to do a show. It's licensed, um, and he's on from 12 to 2 on the Linear Network. Last week, whole you know shebang about Aaron Rodgers, had him on. Rodgers talked about COVID. Everyone knows the story. Then he said he wasn't going to be on. Then he was back on. Then McAfee on Martin Luther King Day had some comments that were kind of um, eyebrow raising um, in terms of uh, in relation to to Martin Luther King um, and and his own situation, saying he was can't you know this, the word canceled kind of has been I think I, I'm going to cancel the word canceled because canceled would mean you're canceled like you're not on. I thought anymore. we did that already. 
I thought we did that already. On the air, like Aaron Rodgers. Hey, 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 listen. That joke writes itself. If anybody can tell you about cancel this me, okay, Andrew? And that ain't being canceled. (laughs) It's true. Okay. Hey, hey, Pat, let me tell you something about being canceled. All right. (laughs) Shit. That is true. That's a good point. So, all right. Then you also have that's in one corner. All right, Michael, this is what's going on here. Then you have Stephen A. Smith versus Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock, Stephen A. Smith, New York Times best-selling autobiography. Jason Whitlock, who's on the Blaze uh, subscription site, uh, he took Stephen A. to task, claiming you know that he exaggerated a lot of stuff in his book. Uh, Stephen A. went off, called him a bunch of names, including the B word, um, called him fat. You know, went after him pretty hard before he did this thing. This is on Stephen A.'s own podcast that he has. It's on video. Stephen A called, I think he called everyone. He called his pasture. I think he called his nieces. He called Pataro. Did he call you? I mean, he didn't, I didn't call no. me. Oh, he didn't call no. you. So, all right. He no. didn't. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> all right. So he called everybody. Um, the week prior, Norby Williamson was called out by McAfee, who called Norby a rat. Um, so a lot going on at ESPN. Now, you have been through the ringer at ESPN. First off, they treated you well at, at one point, right? I, I I would say, right, with uh, your career. And and how would you describe your time at ESPN? Let's just first get there. I loved it. I loved it. Um, it didn't end well, as has been well documented, but nothing, everything ends badly. Otherwise, it wouldn't end, as the saying goes. So, you know, um, but those 15 years, my gosh, they, they changed my life. And everything I'm doing right now, whether it's Amazon Prime Video Thursday Night Football, whether it's NBC Sports, whether it's Inflection Point Entertainment, all of it is a direct result of the reputation I was able to build and the name I was able to make for myself on ESPN's platform. To say nothing of the lifestyle I was able to provide my family. I worked with a lot of amazing people, had a lot of amazing experiences. Um, I got there when I was 24 years old, you know, uh, and spent 15 years there. So not to get too far off track, but like the only thing that's ever really bugged me is 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 for my 15 year tenures to be reduced to one chapter, you know, um, which depending on how you look at it was a successful chapter. But OK, whatever. Um, no, I loved it. Um, I, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing about it. You're 24. You're covering the Patriots, right? And the NFL for the Boston Globe or just the Patriots? Uh, mostly just the Patriots, mostly just the Patriots, um, some national NFL. When I went to the, when I went to ESPN, the Patriots were in the midst of, uh, this was 2004. So they had won the 2003 Super Bowl en route to 2004. I was still covering a lot of the Patriots, but then I expanded to cover the entire league until 2009 ish, something like that. Okay. And then nine ish, is that when you did his and hers? So nine, I started to kind of bounce around a little bit because I want to, I want to reinvent myself, uh, as, as an anchor and a host, and so from nine to eleven, uh, I started to do like I was hosting NFL Live, I was hosting college football live, I was hosting outside the lines when it was daily, um, hosting, you know, first take when it was when it wasn't all debate at the time. I mean, it was more of a variety show in the mornings. Um, and then in eleven, we started Numbers Never Lie. And then in I want to say in 14, we renamed it his and hers rebranded it his and hers after the podcast that Jamel and I were doing, Jamel Hill and I were doing. And then in 17, 
uh, is when we moved to Sports Center at six o'clock. Um, and then I left ESPN in 19. And thank you for joining. This is your life. The... <laughs> All right, good stuff. Right, let's take it to present day, though, because you like you've been involved when these things kind of take off. I mean, when McAfee said the thing about Norby Williamson, like I know the truth about the whole column. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But it was the he, Norby was the number one trending topic in the whole United States. So these top no like ESPN, yes, on the Friday, that Friday, yo, I know the truth about the. It's kind of funny when you think when when I think about it now. What's going on behind the scenes in Bristol? Okay, that might be another story, but um, I know how my column was written and and what went into it. But anyway, I can't get into who my sources are and all that stuff, as you are well aware, Michael. Um, but when you're in that that craziness of like what's been going on with Stephen A. and McAfee, um, Norby. Um, what is that like? Cause you did have that with when Jamel Hill made the comments about Trump on Twitter and then it just took off. What was that like? Oh dude, like shit, that's a therapy session. What was that like? Um, it's something that I try not to think about because, and not because it's, I made peace with everything, but it's more like I've, I have such a laser focus on what I'm doing now and, and, and my future. It took me a while. Don't get me wrong to let go of the frustration or bitterness that I may have felt in order to answer the question that you asked me earlier about how I would describe my time there, the way that I did. I don't know that I would have defaulted to that answer a year ago, two years ago, three, definitely not three, four years ago when it, when it first, you know, when I first left, what was it like? Golly, man. Like I've always been about the work, Andrew. And I've always, I've always just wanted my work to speak for itself. And I always thought that my work would speak for itself. And I feel like my career arc is a testament to that. Like, I've never been good at playing the game. You know, I'm just not, I'm not one of those guys that plays the political games. I didn't, you know, I wasn't the type of dude that was politicking for other people's jobs behind closed doors. I never felt like certain things where I was entitled to certain positions. I just wanted to be properly rewarded and recognized for my work. And I felt like what was for me was for me. So I could go on and on about what that whole experience was like, but if I could crystallize it in the interest of time, I would say it was very difficult because I felt like, and I still feel like this to a certain extent, I felt like the work that I had done to get to that point on, on sports center at six o'clock and the work that I did under circumstances that, and at the risk of hyperbole, Nobody else has ever had to deal with. Nobody else has ever had to work under those circumstances that I had to work under um, and perform under. The, the job that I did on SportsCenter, and again, the work that I did to get to that point, the body of work that I put together was, was overshadowed by everything else, everybody else, and the opinions of a lot of people who were making observations about a show that, that they never watched. Let me say that again. There were people making observations about a program that they never watched. Okay. So I would say that was the difficulty of it all. Uh, the most difficult aspect of it. But in terms of like the noise, I mean, I that, that's what probably first killed my relationship with Twitter. I had to check out of social media altogether just to protect my own mental peace. What were people saying? Oh, I don't know. Cause I checked okay. out. Okay. Now I know what was being said leading up to that point, you know, and and I think 
you know, just to kind of like speak broadly as well. And as I've gotten older, I'm 44 now. That experience helped teach me. It's like, yo, man, like, it ain't about you. And if there is one regret that I have about how I approach that situation is that I was in this bubble. And like, for example, I remember John Skipper got pissed at us because remember when ESPN, I don't remember what year it was. It probably would have been, we got on in 17. So it probably would have been 17. So we're under fire. The show is under fire. We're getting criticism from, you know, the, the show was more political externally than it was on the air. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet as it's kept. Right. Um, and we're getting criticism. We're getting hit. People are ripping us. You know, it's like, you, you know, you know, everything that was that was said and written. Right. Yep. So remember when they had the big layoffs, that first really big round of layoffs, yeah, I do. which was like for ESPN and Disney was unprecedented at the time. I remember we started the show with about 20 minutes talking about the layoffs. John Skipper ripped us a new one. It was like, nobody cares. It's like, nobody cares. And I think looking back, and this was immature, I'm going to speak for me. I'm not going to speak for Jamel. This is immature on my part. I think I was conflating what I was going through and what everybody was saying about the show and all the criticism we were getting. We were getting blamed for the layoffs, not cord cutting, not the changing media landscape. We were getting blamed for the layoffs. Like it was our fault. Like just us, like the, the demise of ESPN was because of Michael and Jamel and the six o'clock sports center. And so for me to be obnoxious and arrogant and self-centered enough, and that's just not even like me, but I was emotional at the time for us to devote that amount of time to something that people who are turning into six o'clock sports center don't care about us or our feelings or, 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 or us fighting with Twitter on the air, which is effectively what we were doing. You know, as we were recognizing our colleagues, because we were hurt, we were in shock. We were, but but that's for you to cover, Andrew. That wasn't for us to cover in that space. I'm only telling that story, and I hope, I hope I'm not spending too much time on this, but I'm only telling that story to illustrate that I think what I've gotten better at as I've gotten older and what I see across the board in this space, in, in sports media, that is a turnoff, a literal turnoff for me, is too many of us making the story us. It's not about us. I don't care how famous you are, how much money you make, how many followers you have. It's not about us. We are not the story. I'm 44. I got into this at a young age, but I'm old school. I come from a day and age we, we didn't use I in columns or, or in articles. It is not about us. And too many of, for too many of these guys, it becomes about them. They think they're as big or bigger than the athletes, teams, or sports that we're talking about. And that will never be the case. So I hope all that made sense. No, but it I, does. I just, well, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. it kind of gets to the topic because like when you talk about, you know, I wrote the other day and I think Stephen A was like number one, most powerful in sports media for me last year. Right. But if you ask me Stephen A's top topics right now, I'd say number one is Stephen A. Number two <laughs> is NBA. Number three is NFL. Number four is Stephen A. And number five is everything else. So it's a lot about Stephen A and, it is entertainment, less reporting that he's doing. McAfee similar. I mean, these type of talk shows a lot of times do become about the shows a little bit. They start talking about their shows a lot. That's not um, abnormal. That dates back to Howard Stern, et cetera, or the show, you know, the characters on the show become something. But I do think if you're tuning in in the middle of the day, especially with like Aaron Rodgers on, he's talking about COVID and stuff. Um, you know, people want to hear about sports. Um, they don't necessarily want to hear about the other stuff. 
with with your experience, okay, you kind of ended up in purgatory. I wrote a column a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. When, I remember. After Jamal, I think, had left at that point, and you were there, they were still paying you, but you weren't working at all. Like, what happened there? I think it was a combination of two things. I think, on one hand, it was... I was blackballed and mothballed by management. I think I think I was made an example of who was in charge then. I mean, I don't remember at this point. I mean, probably the, the same people just in different spots. You know what I'm yep. saying? But you know, yep. the 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 usual suspects. Um, I think there was a lot of that because because the tone the, the the tone and tenor around me shifted. Like I was the one they could make an example out of between the two of us, and. You know, there was a lot of, um, man, I can't believe you got me reliving this. Um, <laughs> it's independent journalism, Michael. Independent journalism. I'm not, I'm not I, owned I, by the NFL. No, no. But I mean, I just, it's like, it's just not something like, it's it's in the past. It's just not yeah. something that I spent a Where lot of time. Yeah. Like, but no, no, no. And I'm, that's not against you. It's, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. But it's just kind of like, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I, I, I don't take it personally because it's business. Yeah, I stopped yeah. taking. I really going back. Don't going back to it's not about you. It wasn't about me. It was about the brand. It was about the company. They made a business decision. I'm a businessman. It is what it is. I, it's like, but I think from a personal perspective, from my truth, is that it felt like there was an effort to distance a lot of people, distance themselves from from me at that point. Now, having said that, though, now in fairness, I could have. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be fair. I'm gonna tell the truth. Or I'm gonna be fair. I could have done more to maybe uh, try to work through it or, you know, uh, reestablish myself in other spaces. You know, um, I remember Seth Markman, who, who's meant a lot to my career. Seth Markman offered me an opportunity uh, to come back to NFL Live, you know, and, and, and contribute to NFL Live. So it's not like it was like, no, you can't come on our air. It was more a matter of there were certain entities. They didn't want me to be as high profile as I was. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so because of the me, and it, again, because of what the, the because of how everything went down with the six o'clock sports center. That's yeah. that's how I perceive it. But that was that's anyway, how, that's let me just say one thing it. about that from my perception. Of yeah. it, that was more sure. with Jamel's stuff because she tweeted at a troll on Twitter and then president trump at the time no i think it, i think it was all no. I, I think it was all of it see that's the mis, that's okay. the misconception like okay. the shit didn't hit the fan because of one tweet like that show that show was in trouble long before that tweet it was in trouble internally there were people who you know didn't like the direction we were taking sports center you know and again that that is what it is like that's fine like it's you know it, that's that's their prerogative as, as it was told to us early on sports center keeps the light on the lights on so they're very protective of that brand. And so the 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 drama behind the scenes preceded that. You know what I mean? I don't think that that wasn't the, you know, the inflection point. It was not uh, a tweet. Um, but going back to me, again, it felt like, it felt like there was some, the effort, effort on some people's part to distance themselves from me. I remember being, uh, you know, seeking out opportunities and being rejected by people who I had worked with previously. You know what I mean? So it just kind of felt like there was almost this unspoken, like, yeah, you know, we want to kind of like stay away from him. He a little too, he a little too hot right now, a little too radioactive. Conversely, 
like I said, a Seth Markman offered me an opportunity to contribute to NFL Live. Now, this is where it's on me. And I want to be clear about this. This is where it's on me, Andrew. And I appreciate, you know, the question and the platform and opportunity to explain this thoroughly. Like, at that point, I was hurt. I was wounded. I was emotional. Yep. And so the idea of going back to square one and going back and doing some of the things that I had done in my 20s and 30s, Doing those things again, all of, all the work that I've done to get to the point to be able to anchor my own sports center with my name on it, yeah. going back to, to the beginning and doing those again, that felt like an insult to me. That's ego. That's ego. That was my choice. So, you know, I guess I don't mean to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm telling you it was complicated. Like, on one hand, I it, it felt like there were some people who were hell-bent on distancing themselves from me and mothballing and blackballing when it came to certain opportunities because it wasn't like because it wasn't a soft landing like oh here this happened but we still believe in you it was more like oh man this was a disaster but i but like i said i could have i could have worked with seth who's the first person to put me on as an anchor i'm forever indebted to seth mark yeah over the nfl coverage yeah oversees all the football coverage now college and nfl he was the first person i I, I will give him props man because I, i think i told him this at one point I was kind of trying to figure out what I was trying to do. And this is when I go back to like, yo, like I had a good 15 years and work with a lot of good people. Yeah. Like when I was there, um, this was around 2009. He said, if you could have any job here, what job would it be? Because I, at that point I was wearing a lot of different hats, E60, NFL insider, you know, talking head, just a lot of different stuff. Host. He said, if you could have any job, what would you want? Because we don't quite know where to fit you here. And I said, I would want Chris Berman's job. I want I want to host Sunday and Monday countdown. He was like, huh, I never looked at you as a host. Let's give it a try. Put me on NFL Live, and I'm not a trained host. And you want to talk about disaster? Drew a blank at one point in the show. I'll never forget it. Drew a blank. Like, forgot what was next. I thought because I had been sitting next to Trey Wingo all that time, that, oh, I could do that. I, I know what it is. No, it was a different animal. And I, I was like, uh, coming up on NFL Live, uh, and he did and he didn't cancel me. <laughs> he didn't cancel me. He stuck with me and let me let me grow into what I became and what I've become. And I'm forever indebted to that. So that's why it's like, I want to be clear. You asked me a question, I answered it honestly. But with the benefit of perspective and time, I'm grateful. I count it all joy. You know, do I agree with the way things were handled? Do I do I think I got you know, a raw deal to a certain extent. Yeah, sure. But like, okay, I'm over that. And and I'm able to look back at all of it and feel good about that whole, that experience in totality and how it prepared me for what I'm doing now and into the future. So I hope, I hope you and anybody that's listening could, could hear, you know, the, ba- the balance there. Yeah. Let's go to yeah. today for you. All right. Amazon, yeah. a Thursday night football, your staple on there now. Big news out of Amazon. Marie Donahue um, yeah. is leaving. Who I work with at ESPN. Who, yeah, so she's she's left Amazon. She was the one most, I think, responsible for the NFL deal when they brought over the NFL Thursday Night Football. Just your reaction to to, to Marie leaving? Uh, I was surprised. I, di- I didn't see it coming. But again, you know, that goes back to what I was saying uh, a little while ago. It's like I keep my, you know, I think we're talking off camera. Like I got such laser focus and literally minded my own business as an inflection point entertainment. I didn't see it coming and I don't know that anybody did if there were signs, but you know, I, I appreciate Marie. I mean, I wouldn't be at Amazon 
Prime Video's Thursday Night Football, if not for Marie Donahue. Uh, I thought she was a very effective leader, um, a visionary in many respects. Uh, she and I had a great relationship. I'm not quite sure uh, exactly what went into that decision. Um, but, you know, I got nothing but good things to say about the Amazon family in general um, and, and what they've been able to accomplish and what I've been a small part in them accomplishing over the last two years. Um, but I just hope she's on to bigger and better. Um, you know, if, if that's possibly be bigger than Amazon, <laughs> but I, I, I wish her nothing but the best. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, and so you have a lot going on now, post ESPN. We said the Amazon Thursday night football, NBC, you're all over, um, for the, this playoff game. And then the show every day with Michael Holly on Peacock, um, and then inflection point entertainment. Now, when you first left ESPN, I think that was the first thing you did. Um, no, no, nah, player. <laughs> it was not. It was Wait, not. Was it? I went through two startups before I started my own. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. I was out oh, too. Your, your, your boy like, has had I'm a sojourn. <laughs> oh, it's been I'm a like journey third. for you, boy. Yeah, all right. I was like. I had the leadoff hitter, the second bat. No, you're batting third. No, right. I, I start. I started. Uh, I, I went to a company called Collaboratory, oh, which that was, was the one. that was the yeah. one. Thinking. And then, yeah, and then it, and then I spun off to a company called Game One, and then I was like, you know what, you know, I'm, you know, I'll do it myself, and I started Inflection Point Entertainment. So, what are we trying to do with Inflection Point Entertainment? I'm trying to do dope shit with cool people. That's my north star, uh, and that's and, and I'm trying to tell stories. You know, stories that matter. Um, and I, I, I've never just been a sports guy, so we're genre and platform agnostic, but I have films in development. Uh, most recently, well, August, we launched a podcast network, the Inflection Network, in partnership with iHeart. Um, I'm making unscripted content, um, and I'm just trying to create meaningful, valuable, frankly, but meaningful content. I'm trying to create opportunity. I'm trying to create space. I'm trying to continue to create a blueprint and a template. Um and so going back to like, if I could just connect, if you don't mind, and thank you for this, by the way, because there's so many people, one of the cool things about being on the road for Thursday Night Football every week was just being outside, you know, because the love that I was able to get, whether I was rekindling a relationship or establishing a new relationship with NFL executives and coaches and players, it's like, that was, I needed that. I needed, I needed to be around some love. And there were so many people who just, were like, oh, I was wondering what what happened to you. Like, where you been? Like, what you been up to? You know, hadn't heard from you. Um, you know, because you know, Peacock is obviously you know more of a is less of an established platform the way ESPN was. So I've been doing that since 2020. Um, but this, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of just let people know, like, yo, I'm still here. I'm still working. I just got my head down. But just going back to, you know, you talking about, you know, the Stephen A. and the McAfee and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I'm. Again, minding literally my own business so much, you know, I don't pay attention to a whole lot of that stuff. I got my, I got my own stuff to worry about. A lot, I got tuition to pay, on, as I told you. Columns, you read my columns. Come. No, no, no. But I'm saying like just the day. I, I do, but I'm just saying I'm just like. Kidding. But, I'm just I re, kidding. but I rely on you to filter a lot of it for me. Oh, there quite, you go. Yeah, right. You don't need to know, you know blow by blow. I don't. You, well, I don't. Need, I don't need. I don't need to sit in front of the television. Get a summary and a column or a news. Right. I got you. I'm trying to make content, not watch somebody else's. Yeah, all the time, yeah, yeah. You know yeah fair what I'm saying so. I so I pay attention to the media landscape through people like you, right? And and, and the dynamic involved. But the business model, though, is to be admired and replicated the business model the, the the independence of a pat mcafee the independence 
uh, that Stephen A is creating for himself. Um, you know, like that's that's the model, you know, um, to where you not only have multiple revenue streams, but you're able to control your own content, control your own narrative, tell your own stories. This is what athletes have been doing, you know, and 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 so so many some media members are in many ways trying to follow suit, you know, as am I. But I hope this didn't bore the shit out of you or your viewers. No, man, this is great. Now this is no, because let me let me tell you, like I just I never thought that people really cared. You know what I mean? And I, you know, because. You know, people got their own problems, you know what I mean? And again, I had, I think the way you wrote it, you know, uh, not a golden parachute, golden handcuffs, right? Yeah, like golden handcuffs. Yeah, and it's like, you know, yeah, it's like I got, I was still getting paid. I wasn't working. It was traumatic, so on and so forth. But boo-hoo, like, and I've looked back on it and I've said like, yes, I was entitled to my feelings. Yes, my story was my story and my pain was my pain, all those things. But I got so much to be thankful for and, you know, I count it all joy, man. I'm excited. I'm in a good place right now. So thank you for thank you for asking about me. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. Michael Smith. We went over it. Amazon, Thursday Night Football, NBC, Peacock, Inflection Point Entertainment. Really appreciate your time and uh, best of luck with everything. Thanks, man. Let's do this again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks, Michael. That's going to do it for the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. As always, got to thank AC Wyatt and Master of the Board, Chris Mason. Uh, you can like, subscribe, and uh, we'll see everybody down the road. Thank you very much. Looks like you froze. Hold on one second. You froze for a second there? You got me? Am I still frozen now? Yeah. Am I, I'm still now frozen? you're not. You're unfrozen. I'm no longer Han Solo. Now, now you're moving, now you're stopping, now you're good. All right. We put that on the bloopers, guys. <laughs> we put bloopers at the end. So uh, you get to add that. Good job, Michael. You, you picked up what Moran left off. Yeah.